This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from November 27, 2022, entitled Hope, taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2. I hope you enjoy. God bless. Our lectionary text this morning is taken from the first part of Isaiah, and so that we can have this conversation, there are technically three sections to the book of Isaiah. Uh, We we call them the the proto, the deutero, and the trito chapters of Isaiah. Some people would say, like I said in my Sunday school class today, it's like a a three-act play that Isaiah and maybe others had written together to talk about life in ancient times over a a period of at least five to a hundred to a thousand years. So hear now these words from the book of Isaiah, chapter two, verses one through five. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, or Amos, saw concerning Judas and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above to the hills and all the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they lean, learn war. This is important here. War anymore house of Jacob. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. In chapter 1 of Isaiah, Isaiah graphically lays out what he had seen prior to this. Violence and bribery, unfaithfulness, desolation, the trampling of literally standing on top of the poor. There are brief interruptions as God calls for repentance and offers glimpses of hope, but they are completely drowned out by these pictures of violence and rebellion. And then, chapter 2, opens as though Isaiah is starting all over again, or at least God is. What Isaiah sees is not taking place now, but in the days to come, people of every nation will stream to Mount Zion, including those who were enemies of Israel and Judah. God's instruction will go forth from Jerusalem, and God will judge between the nations And the people will be transformed by this teaching. 
Can you see it? The prophet gives us these words. They shall beat their swords into plows, which what we would call it, not plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks, reaching up to the tops of the trees to get the fruit. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. And my favorite part of this, the word war will be completely gone from their vernacular. As if it never existed. It's curious that Isaiah indicates that the unlearning, the arts of war, will become among the first fets of people drawing to God's holy mountain. It's as if Isaiah says, when we learn God's ways, we unlearn the ways of war. Isaiah puts it as if the one follows the other, like hearing the thunder after seeing the lightning. That when we walk in God's light, we leave behind the shadowy and horridly dark regions where lives, where lives and civilizations are snuffed out through the killing and mayhem of war. When I was doing my research for this, uh, and you're probably going, why is this about hope? Well, we're getting there. A scholar by the name of Neil Plantinga wrote that his imagery of Isaiah's passage here comes down to the day when howitzer tanks would be converted into John Deere tractors to plow fields. Guns would be used to build fences on which the grapevines could grow. We'll turn missile silos into wheat silos and make the Pentagon into the world's largest food court. Because when we come to that holy mountain of God, and in this Advent season, we can affirm that we, when we come to the Prince of Peace, war will be one of the first agenda items to drop from the human docket. Why? Perhaps because war is perhaps the best emblem ever of all that has gone wrong with God's intentions for creation. Few things better symbolize the opposite of God's desired shalom than warfare. What the world has been witnessing most recently in Ukraine and around the world is emblematic of this fact. It's always the innocent, you see, the children, the elderly, the vulnerable who suffer the most in wartime. And if that doesn't sound like a highly evil thing, then I don't know what could. But you see, God's shalom. We need to talk about this. For those of you that might read my newsletter article, I always end at the end of my newsletter article this word, shalom. It's a Hebrew word. It goes way beyond what we have translated into, and the peace of God be with you. It's a big word. It does not merely simply mean peace. Shalom means doing more than finding ways not to argue or come to blows. Shalom means seeing God's image residing deep inside every person that we encounter 
no matter how outwardly different they are from us or any other thing that keeps us away from them. What's more is shalom means not just passively accepting the fact of our interrelatedness, but of actively wanting to do something to make that relationship better. That's the relationship of God that Isaiah is preaching about here at the beginning. You see, one of the beautiful parts about living in Oklahoma is, is that we have this weird intention. It's deeply embedded in our DNA. We see someone that's hungry and we feed them naturally. No one has to force you to do it. We just do it. It's commonly, I hear this phrase of, Josh, I wish we could do more, but we do what we can. See, that's extension of shalom. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, by the way. It doesn't mean that we are off the hook just because we do what we can. It's the opportunity that we recognize that someone needs a hand up rather than a hand out. Our job is to help people prosper and flourish. That's why. When Isaiah says that we turn swords into plows, and spears into pruning hooks, and tanks into tractors. We want to feed one another. We want to be there when there's that time when there's enough food to go around that so that no one will ever be hungry again. And we sense and we start to glimpse what hope really is. So that no one will be hungry again. So that four-star four dining will become the norm for all, and not just for the privileged few. Have you ever wondered why it was that Jesus was born in the town called Bethlehem? In Hebrew, the term literally means the house of bread. The earth was meant to be a source of abundance. A planet-wide Garden of Eden, if you will, that would sustain life in all of its variety and forms. All of that is why war is the opposite of God's design. In war, and understand I'm not just talking the battles between nations. War can take on many different forms. Fighting amongst family, fighting amongst friends, treating your spouse as less than is, in my opinion, a, a form of war. It takes the differences amongst people, and instead of celebrating them as God's gifts, we use them as an excuse to kill each other, whether it's physically, verbally, emotionally. We even convince ourselves that those differences point to the deficiencies in ways that we actually justify our murderous actions. Well, if they would be just more like us. If they just go out and get a job. If they would just, and we just fill in the blank with all types of horrific ways of justifying allowing them to die 
in our eyes. Isaiah says people who think this way might not deserve a place at the banquet table. Because it's not the way of God. I'm going to switch gears for a second. There's this French film. When I was doing my research and looking at commentaries, they kept bringing this film up. And a lot of you might actually remember this film. A lot of you actually remember the story, but the film is known as Joyeux Noël. It's this French film. And we get to see a vision of what the world could be if only the one made incarnate in the womb of Mary could indeed lead the way towards peace, towards that awesome word of shalom. The film is set in World War I. It tells a true story. Trench warfare was rampant throughout Europe. It meant that soldiers from opposing sides were often in close proximity to one another, and mostly trench warfare led to some of the most sickening slaughters in battle that anyone has ever seen. The conditions were horrific. The battles were terrifying. For example, the British lost so many troops in World War I, mostly through the trench warfare, that even Winston Churchill has been quoted to say that theirs was a victory. And his quotes were, scarcely indistinguishable from defeat. But on one particular Christmas Eve in 1914, the proximity of the trenches led to something very different. In the German trenches, one of the soldiers is a skilled tenor who at one point tries to bring hope and to lift the spirits of all of his fellow soldiers by singing a hearty rendition of the song that you might know as Silent Night, but for them it was Stille Nacht. And just as he's about to begin the second stanza, however, the soldiers are startled to hear out of nowhere a bagpipe player in the nearby Scottish trench that had taken up the tune. The singing continues until finally the tenor and the bagpipe player bravely emerge from the trenches to face each other when the bagpipe player starts to play Adeste Fidiles, or also known as O Come All Ye Faithful. The tenor takes up the song in French, and now the bewildered soldiers in also the French trench begin to sing along. And then finally, all of the soldiers emerge from their trenches for an impromptu Christmas Eve ceasefire, during which they share chocolate, bread, champagne, and brandy, reveling for a time in their shared humanity and putting aside just for a moment the horrors of war that otherwise lead them to try and kill each other. That's hope. And selfishly, I might add, it all happened because of music. Just say it. But in that moment, 
They are brought something closer to the holy mountain of God and to our Christ, where surely it will be true that they will learn no more war, but will walk in the light of the Lord. In your daily lives, you can see glimpses of it, even in this broken world, even in the midst of watching all of the horror that seems to surround us and we feel ourselves being in our own proverbial trenches. It takes that one leap of faith, one moment, and maybe you are the one that brings hope into the world in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Creator, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.